Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. 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 Yo, 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 what's going on, people? You are now listening to Dissonomics Podcast. I read things so you don't have to. First time listeners, Dissonomics, we talk about current affairs, stuff that happens in society, mainly economic and politics related, but we delve into all types of topics and we have a lot of cool people on. Like, we could talk about guilt and government bonds and we could talk about the economics of makeup. You never really know, do you get me? Long time listeners, Serving away, life has changed, but we're back now, baby. We're back and better. And this week's podcast is gonna be a cracker because boy, oh boy, we have a lot to talk about. We have a new prime minister, a new chancellor, and they have caused an absolute ruckus. Yeah, I'm not even sure they're gonna survive the week at this rate. Well, the chancellor might, but we'll see. So, we're gonna talk about in this pod. Well, we're gonna talk about what's the chancellor announcing his mini budget. Who that impacts for the good, bad, and indifferent? And how has the rest of the world, or the financial world, should I say, reacted? How does this impact us? Where does this leave us? And of course, on social media, a lot of people ask me some questions, so I'm going to answer them. So yeah, let's get into it. Oh, and quickly, if you're a new time listener, make on Spotify, click follow, Apple Podcasts, click subscribe, whatever streaming platform you're listening to, just make sure you're subscribed, click the notification bell so my pod comes straight to you and preferably drop a young five-star review. But anyway, let's get into the meat and bones of this thing. Liz Truss, and I've got a name side chick, fucking up the country. Hi, I it's MXM and listen to the Dysonomics podcast because it's late. It's late. It's late. Yo, what's good, what's good, what's good? What happened? Well, yeah, I can't remember the last time I did a pod. It was probably before we have a new prime minister and I spoke about the difference between Rishi and Liz Truss. Those who listen to me, although I am not a Tory, um, <laughs> some people on Twitter believe otherwise for whatever foolish reason, why, who cares what the morons think. Anyway, I'm actually a fan of Rishi Sunak. I'm not going to cap. Minus his um, immigration policies, which are abhorrent, but similar to the rest of his party. And I was hoping that for the sake of the country that he win, that he won the leadership contest, but he lost Liz Trust. Liz Trust got, got about 60% of the vote. And I tweeted all the way throughout, I said, if this country 
puts in Liz Truss, we are fucking finished, blood. We are toast, yeah? And it's kind of like a two... It was weird for me because I want the Tories out of here, innit? Like, you you can't win election 2019 and provide three years of catastrophic officiating. You've been terrible, right? So you have to go. You have to be punished for that, right? So I was thinking, if Rishi comes in, he's very smart. His economic policy is on point. He's going to pattern up the economy. He's going to maybe not tackle cost of living, but he's gonna, he's our, probably our best hope of patterning it up to a certain degree. And then Labour will probably lose the election, a narrow-ish election to Conservatives. There's going to be some correction on Boris winning by 80-odd seats, but Rishi will probably win. So I'm like, oh, more Conservatives. However, if Liz Truss wins, with the talk, there's a fantastic chance that Keir Starmer wins a narrow election and gets um, the Tories out of here. But the country might be up in flames before that. And that's what I was kind of like battling with. Lo and behold, this trust one. And I was literally, I can, let me see if I can even find my tweets. Like I was tweeting about this all throughout the Tory leadership contest. Okay. I, I, I think I found them. Uh, okay. So yeah. So I said on, oh, this was on my birthday. 6th of September, Liz Truss organising the cabinet from hell. We are finished as a nation. <laughs> 5th of September, Liz Truss is new prime minister. This country is even more finished than before. 26th of August, if Liz, is, if Liz Truss wins, we are finished. 20th of August, this was a retweet on um, a YouGov poll that showed Labour with a 15-point lead. I spent if, especially if Liz Truss wins, we might be free. <laughs> This is the 2nd of August. Liz Trust tax cuts had to be funded somehow. The borrowing for tax cuts was clearly a terrible idea. Now she's going traditional Tory in funding these cuts by the public sector. Cutting people's pay during the cost of living crisis. Fair enough. Which ain't going to do that much. 26th of July. Tory members are going to vote in Liz Trust as the next PM who will in turn destroy the economy. 25th of July. Labour should pray and pray again that Liz Trust wins the leadership race. That's an, that's an election they have a good chance of winning and she either A, further destroys the economy before the election or B, doesn't destroy the economy but, pro but proves her word don't mean anything by not doing what she wanted to do. 25th of July. How can you watch the debate and think Liz Truss better than Rishi? On what part exactly? Other than maybe China? I'm confused. Again, on the same day. I'm sorry, the competency gap between, the competency gap between Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss is astronomical. Again, 25th of July. Keir Starmer will absolutely crush Liz Truss on a weekly basis. Same day. Nah, Liz Truss economics is very, very, very bad, yo. I'm sorry, Liz Truss economic plan is balmy. 21st of July. <laughs> in the latest YouGov poll, Liz Truss is a strong fave, almost beating Rishi Sunak in every demographic. Are the Tory voters really going to put Liz Truss as their candidate? Like, they can't be serious. Lo and behold, here we are. Here we are. Liz Truss, Prime Minister, she announced that Kwasi uh, Kwarteng um, will be her Chancellor. And guess what happened last week? <laughs> On Friday, Kwasi Kwarteng, the new Chancellor, announced the biggest tax cuts in 50 years. 50 years. He stated that everything he's doing is to kickstart the economy by boosting economic growth. And if you watched the... Uh, candidates 
the candidacy from this trust in the debates with Rishi Sunak and others. Her thing was, yeah, cost of living, yeah, man's on a pattern that, but you really need economic growth long-term to really sort this issue. So her plan is very heavy on economic growth. Kwasi has scrapped a bunch of tax plans to, that, that were going to push up taxes to pay for public services. Yeah, he scrapped them. He, uh, let me even, let me give you an example of how different, before I delve into um, what he announced, how different Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak were from Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng. So under Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak, the top 10% of households, that, that's if you get all the households in UK, right? The, the, the people in the top 10% in terms of earnings, yeah, were going to be about £3,500 worse off by 2025-2026 tax year. What does this mean? So by 2025-2026, the top 10% of households will be paying £3,500 more in tax under Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak. Now, under Liz Trust and Kwasi Kwarteng, these households will be paying £700 less in tax. So they've effectively gained an extra £700 because they're saving £700 in their tax liabilities, where under the previous regime, they're going to be spending an additional £3,500. So this is interesting because these are two conservative governments, right? And we've always seen the Tories as a party that's, you know, in favour of big business and rich, but one Conservative government was going to take an extra three and a half grand from the top 10%, and the other was giving the top 10% an extra 700 quid. <laughs> okay, anyway, what did Kwasi Kwarteng get up to? So he scrapped tax plans to push up taxes to pay for public services, which I'm gonna get into in detail. And he states that high taxes damage Britain's competitiveness and it reduces the incentive to work and for business to also invest here. Why would a business invest here if they're gonna pay a lot of income tax of 26 or 25% when we could keep it at 19%, for example? So let's look at what he did. So Rishi Sunak in his amended spring statement announced that he was going to cut the basic rate of income tax by one, pe one penny, effectively by 1%. So the basic rate of income tax, so the, it, the amount that tax you pay on incomes over 12 grand up until like 36 grand is 20%. He's, he's fast forward um, Rishi's cut to next year. So from April, 2023, the basic rate of tax will be 19% instead of 20%, right? This means that 31 million people will be better off by an average of £170 per year, according to the Treasury. So each person on average is going to get an extra 170 quid in their pocket. Sajid Javid uh, and Boris Johnson announced a increase in national insurance by like 1.25%. They dubbed this the health and social care levy, with the majority of the funding going towards NHS to help with the backlogs and so on and so forth. He, um... Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng is reversing this, and this that will come into effect in November. So we're seeing our taxes go down by 1%, and we're also seeing national insurance go down by just above 1%. So that's more money in our pockets. The top rate of income tax, which is 45%. So you get the basic rate, which is 20%, and that's, I should look this up to give you the exact numbers. Okay, let me do that. 
tax bans UK. So I get the exact number. Okay, cool. So we have, so the first, you have your personal allowance. So your first 12,570 quid of your salary, you don't pay a single penny in tax. From 12,571 pounds to 50,270 quid, you pay 20% tax, right? Then the higher, then you've got the higher rates, which is um, 40%. On earnings from four fifty thousand two hundred seventy one pounds, all the way up to one hundred fifty k, and then any penny you earn over one hundred fifty k, you get taxed at forty five percent. So what does this mean? Well, people who earn one hundred fifty k are seeing a tax cut because that forty five percent tax ban is is disappeared. So whether you're earning one hundred fifty one k or one point five million a year, every penny you earn over fifty thousand two hundred seventy one pounds will be taxed at 40% instead of 45%. So obviously this is a massive tax cut for people in over 150K. There was increases on duty for beer, wine, cider and spirits that Rishi introduced. This will be axed as well by Kwasi Kwarteng. Stamp duty threshold for home purchases will rise to 250K. Um, IR35, which is really annoying for us contractors, which basically means that we're treated as normal employees. So we don't get to send invoices and get charged and pay only corporation tax and expense a lot of stuff. We are treated as an employee. So we pay PAYE. So we are earning our tax like everyday workers. That's going to be repealed, which is great news for people like me. First time buyer threshold for... Stamp duty will rise to £425,000 of the value of the property and, you, and where you could claim relief will increase from five hundred grand to six hundred twenty-five grand. So this is more money in the pockets of first-time buyers. This one was interesting. Bankers' bonuses will no longer be capped. So bankers' bonuses since 2014, and this is introduced by the EU, you can't get a bonus as a banker that is more than double your salary and it also has to be approved by shareholders. Um, this is being removed and what else is there? So yeah, so that's it. So when you listen to this, you're hearing, okay, cool. You gave us a 1% tax cut and you reversed the, the, um, social care levy. So they're increasing national insurance, but I'm hearing bankers can now earn more bread. I mean, oh, if I got enough money to buy a house, that's like four, four bills. Okay. It's a bit cheaper. And the people who earn the most are getting a tax cut. What the hell? Now, let me talk about this objectively. In terms of politics, this is awful politics. It's, you're going through the biggest cost of living crisis and in your first mini budget, you're basically busting the rich man them. The, maybe not, let me not say rich man them because just because you earn 150K does not mean you're rich the well-off in terms of earnings, right? Because you can be earning 150K and your dependents, <laughs> your bills is wild, right? But the people who earn the most in the country, right? Are getting the biggest tax benefit, cut benefit, which doesn't really, really read well. So if you look at the UK as a whole, and obviously in London, the uh, pyramid is a bit more skewed. You're basically giving tax cuts to the top 1%. <laughs> I mean, the significant tax cuts to the top 
is terrible optics and removing the cap on bankers' bonuses when people, the perception of bankers is not the best <laughs> right now, is making you look very, very spooky to the British public. Now, Dysonomics, what's your actual opinion on these tax cuts? Okay, in isolation, the 45% um, top rate, I'm fine with that because I don't believe that any government should be entitled to 40%, 45% of your pound at any juncture. That's wild because this is money that you have worked for, you have earned. And the government said, yeah, okay, cool. These pounds that you earn over whatever threshold, we're gonna take damn near half of it. That's wild to me. 40% is even wild to me, let alone 45%, that's wild. So I, I'm a big fan of that being removed. And people might say, oh, this no mix, you're battling for the wealthy. No, okay, cool. Wealthy people definitely earn over 150K, most likely. Yes, what makes them wealthy is not their income, more often than not. It's their assets, the, the land they own, the houses they own, businesses, stocks, that type of stuff. That's what generational wealth, that is what makes people wealthy. Because I know quite a few people that earn six figures. None of them are wealthy yet. And the bankers bonus. Well, this was introduced by the EU in 2014. And we do know that like, the Conservatives ever since Brexit have been trying to repeal a lot of the stuff the EU have done. And this country, in terms of the Conservative government since 2014, as well as the Bank of England, have been against this um, cap on bonuses. Because all the bonus cap did was push up the basic salary for bankers anyway. And it also drove, drove in, um, some activity out to outside Europe. Like, it never capped the total remunerations. So in terms of the total money received by bankers, it, does, it didn't really cap it anyway. They just found ways around it, so there's no point. So again, don't really care about that. It's just bad optics. Now, in terms of the tax cuts, it's just irresponsible. Like, as an individual... As a as a mere person, yeah, it's good for me as an individual. Of course, I would love to pay less tax. And as a contractor, bro, I have thirty five. Who? Yeah, give me that. It's way more money in my pocket. That's like a thirty percent swing in my earnings. Let alone when you add, it, especially when you add in the one percent drop. Um, in the basic rate and then removal of the social care health and social care levy that's more money in my pocket so it's like I've won at what cost although it's good for me and my family as an individual for the country it is bad because this is unfunded this is irresponsible this is the wrong time to tax cut now how much money will you save with these cuts so, if you're on 20 grand a year, about 167 quid. If you're on 30 grand a year, about 392 quid. If you're on 50 grand a year, about 842 pounds. If you're on 100 grand a year, about 1,470 pounds. And if you're on 200 bags a year, about 5,200 pounds. So as you can see, the savings increased as the earnings increased. So, what's my thoughts on this so far? We've got a lot to get to, but I thought like a little evaluation points here and there. You get me where like 18 minutes through. Um, this is disproportionately helping the higher earners. 
And during the cost of living crisis, that's a bit wild because the cost of living crisis is mainly driven by energy prices or whatnot. And the difference in energy bills for the well-off compared to the not so well-off isn't that the gap isn't as significant as you think. So disproportionately impacts lower earners and you haven't done enough to help that really and truly. This is a massive gamble on economic growth. It's like Kwasi Kwarteng and Liz Trust bopped into, um, bopped into um, Las Vegas casino and just said, yeah, 800 bags on black on a roulette machine. And you said, fuck it, bro. Not even that. It's 800 bags on two. Do you know what I mean? One in 36 chance. It's a joke thing. Um, is it going to lead to economic growth? Unlikely. And the markets don't believe so. Nobody believes so apart from them. Like, this is so funny because Rishi was, Rishi was losing his shit during the debates. Like, he genuinely could not believe what Liz Truss was saying. Like, he was, it got to a point where he was interrupting her because he's like, bro, this is insane. And then he was getting criticised. Like, it's so mad because everything Rishi said has come to pass from what's happened to guilt, economic stability, the power, everything. It was obvious. As I said, this doesn't really address the cost of living. About forty-five billion pounds of these tax cuts are unfunded. We're gonna to have to borrow to do so, borrow to fund these tax cuts, because obviously we're gonna lose out on tax receipts, which is the money received from tax. And this is putting a further strain on our public finances. This is great news for Labour. Labour now like seventeen points ahead in the, in the latest YouGov poll. Fantastic news for Labour. This is another Tory catastrophe. And Kwasi, or Kwasia, like Kwasia Kwateng, he might lose his job. They are peppering him. This is embarrassing. The Bank of England have had to, which you want to talk about, have, the Bank of England have had to act, which is unprecedented. This is embarrassing. Our currency is getting battered by the dollar. Even the IMF are tweeting about us. And you only see the IMF talk about countries that are down severely. Like this is un- this is embarrassing, and this is within the first three weeks of your tenure. Super embarrassing. Like Tory MPs are laying into my man, fam. That's it. Off the record, they're calling him inept. This is humiliating. Calling naive. Calling him reckless. And obviously, what makes it so worse, what makes it even worse for the Tories is that Rishi warned them, and they went to vote for him. Okay, now let's talk about the fallout. The pound getting pounded. Investors around the world saw the mini budget and they said, huh? Huge tax cuts, no funding in this current state. No, sir, not me. The pound got slapped compared to the dollar. The, the, the pound to dollar ratio reached its lowest of all time at one point. It was one pound at one point would have got you one dollar and three cents. Fam, this is whole party exchange rates. Do you know when you go to like a hall party, like a wedding or, or whatnot, and you're going to spray dollars and there's a, and there's an uncle walking around with a bag of dollars trying to shot you them and he's always shutting you at value of one, one to one. So that means if you give him about 10 quid, he'll give you $10. And you're looking at him like, big man, like it's like usually one one pound to get me like one thirty or one forty. You tell me one for one, allow it. Psh. They won now. They might even say, "Boy, it's one for zero point nine." <laughs> anyway, why is the dollar so strong against the pound right now? Investors do not believe in the government plans. 
some of the tax cuts aren't even funded. Investors also believe that tax cuts will lead to more disposable income because the less tax you pay, the more money you have um, when you get your salary. The more money you have in your salary, the more money you can spend on stuff. The more we spend on stuff as, a, as an economy, the higher prices are. The higher prices are, that increases inflation. And when inflation goes up, the Bank of England via monetary policy has to act to pattern it and they have to raise interest rates sooner and faster. And that's bad. It's crazy. It's crazy. We're pammed either way. How does this impact me? So I spoke about how the tax stuff imp impacted us as individuals. Oh, I even a tax. I even forgot. Oh, I even forgot this one. Um, they've also reversed Rishi's plan, Rishi and Boris's plan to increase corporation tax, which is the tax that companies spend on profits from 90% to 25%. He scrapped that as on state 19%. So that's good for contractors and that's good for businesses. Okay. Now, we spoke about how tax impacted businesses, contractors, people looking to purchase homes, everyday workers. How does the pound become a very weak against the dollar impact me? Well, when the pound is worth less, the cost of goods imported from overseas is going to go up. So gas, gas prices are largely based on the dollar. So if now our pounds are buying less dollars, gas prices are going to be more expensive. Petrol, again, all is pricing dollars. So weak pounds can make fill up your car more expensive. Food prices, 46% of the food we consume is imported. Dysonomics listeners know I always say this. UK doesn't make enough food to feed itself. So if our food's imported, it's going to cost more. Technology, mobile phones, cars, these all, all this stuff comes from abroad and it'll get more expensive. And even things that you get from the UK might cost more if parts of their production line comes from abroad. Overall, according to research, like this could increase the cost of living by 0.5%. However, a weak pound can boost businesses which export to other countries because now our goods are cheaper because now, like let's say people who purchase stuff from the UK from America, now the dollars can buy more pounds. So now our goods are more attractive. How another impact with this is that this could lead to the Bank of England rising and rising interest rates. And I remember Rishi said that interest rates could reach like 7% at one point. They're saying interest rates could reach, the markets are predicting or triple to 6% next year. Several uh, monetary policy committee members have highlighted the fact that a drop in the value of the pound can fuel inflation for a higher cost of imported goods and raw materials, as I said. A rise in interest rates, if it shows up the value of, of sterling, so if it makes the pound strong again, could limit the pressure on inflation. Though traders may not interpret that, but that's what they're trying to do. And the Bank of England have said that, boy, we'll do what needs to be done. And people are now shook of a higher interest rate. Now, how does a higher interest rate impact people? I'm gonna talk about, okay, interest rates. For those who don't know, interest rate is the price of borrowing, the cost of borrowing, right? The higher the interest rate, the more money you have to pay back on your loan, whatever that loan may be, whether it be credit cards, your um, car loan, mortgage, so on and so forth. Now, mortgage payments. 
So I looked at this graph and shout out my boy, Jarmine for sending this to me. And this was based on like a 10% deposit, right? This could be your monthly mortgage payment. Yeah. If it hits 6%. So let's start with a 300 grand house. We're at a 1.5% interest rate. You're, you're paying just over, just, just over, just under 1,100 pounds a month for your mortgage. If it goes to 6%, it goes to £1,700, an increase of £650, right? If your mortgage is four hundred grand, if the house price is four hundred grand, your mortgage can go from 1.4k a month to 2.3k, going up by almost nine bills. If your house is £500, £500,000, your mortgage could go from 1.8k a month to 2.9k a month up by 1,100 quid and so on and so forth like if your house is worth a million lucky people your mortgage will go from 3.5 to 5.7 that's 2,199 pound increase it's wild and I remember one of my boys was telling me showing me he was just crunching the numbers he said that if it reached 6% his mortgage will go from 1.7k to like 3.7K or something wild like that. And I was like, God forbid. So this is a issue, like some people whose um, fixed term mortgages, fixed term period is coming to end soon or people on variable mortgages, they're very, very volatile to these changes. Do you know what it'll be like adding an extra 600, 700, 800, 1,000, 1,005, 1,008, 2,000 pounds onto your monthly expenses? That's crippling. Even the people earning five, six bags a month. And an extra two bags, that's crippling in cost. Absolutely insane. Now, what have the Bank of England said in response to this? Well, they've had to get busy to prevent material risk to the UK's financial stability. Now, bear with me in this, people, yeah? The next, this part of the pod is going to be a lot more technical, but I'm going to try to make it as straightforward as possible right and and the reason why we should care about this because we're going to be talking about guilts and pensions and a lot of you are thinking what pension big man that's like 40 years away or 30 years away from me this stuff matters because this if this goes left our economy's in the mud and then we're all budded right cool usually the bank of england don't really react to government policy like this but they had no choice because we're in free-for-all, right? So we're going to talk about guilts and pensions and what's happened. One of the biggest impacts of the policies is what happened to British bond deals, right? What is a bond? A bond is a debt. It's a basically, a bond is basically an IOU, right? And people buy British bonds. So you're basically saying to the government that, yo, okay, cool. We're going to borrow you this money and you'll pay us back at this date. And we're going to get this amount of interest per year until the debt is settled, right? Borrowing from the um, lending to like, countries such as the UK, Germany, and America is usually very, very secure business because they just don't default on their loans. Big economies, patterns, responsible, all that. So the yield, which is the price of the bond, which is how expensive, so which is the interest rate you pay on the bond, which is the IOU, is usually low because the credit is booming. And you know when, you, when you're when you taking things with bad credit, the interest rate is higher. Now, 
What's happened is that bond yields went up. So the interest rate on buying British government debt went up, right? Why did it go up? Investors were looking at the outlook of the public finances of the UK and the British economy and said, Mm-mm, it's looking spooky over there. Earnings, borrowing the UK government money is now more risky. Hence why the yields went up. For example, the interest rate on government bonds went up to 4%, which is the highest since 2008, which was the financial crisis. Now, Okay, cool. This makes we understand bond yields. Okay, basically the streets are saying they don't trust the UK government as much now. So if, if we're gonna bust you some change, it's gonna cost you a lot more to do business. So what's the relevance of pensions? Well, the increase in bond yield triggered calls for cash on defined benefit pension funds. What's defined benefit pension? There's two types of pensions: defined benefit, defined contribution. Most people are on defined contribution, and that's when you're auto you're auto enrolled in your workplace, where your work will give you two percent of your pension, and you match that, right? Defined benefit, which is usually seen in the public sector, is where you, once you retire, you get a fixed salary each year, basically a fixed amount, which is indicative of your salary before you left. So it's a very very generous pension is a better pension than defined contribution, right? Defined pension funds in the UK are worth two trillion pounds, right? Massive. And what people do with their pension funds, they just, money just isn't just put into a pot and stay there. No, they invest it, right? To gain you money. So let's try to go through this. So these pension funds, obviously, they the people control these pension funds take certain positions on the markets to make money, right? And how do I how do I articulate this? They had certain positions right in the market, right? Well, okay, cool. We think this is gonna happen, or we're gonna hedge our bets here, boom, 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 and they've had to change them. And this spooked the Bank of England into spending a good 65 billion pounds worth of bonds to stabilize the markets on a whim right okay cool defined benefit pension funds are hedged against gilt derivatives what is a gilt a gilt are is just a uk government debt it's a, it's a financial security you could buy as i said you could buy government debt derivative is a security with a price that is dependent upon one or more underlying assets right so this is quite common. So in fact, even forget that, right? <laughs> this is a bit too, this is a bit too um, investment bankerish. Um, okay, cool. So the fine benefit pension funds, they hedge against UK government securities, government debts, right? If bond yields go up far and fast, the pension schemes need more to provide more cash or more collateral to the guilt derivatives because their position is making them less money, right? Because, okay, they bet, okay, cool, boom. Okay, we see it at this price, boom, boom, boom. But now because the bond yields are going up, they're now going to have to provide more cash because at their current position, they're making a loss. I hope that makes sense. They are paying more money than they're receiving. So... Pension schemes, so the people who are controlling these pension funds, had to sell these guilts 
to get a hold of cash to meet the collateral calls or because they simply kicked out their position because they could not pay up in time. So when you're selling these government debts, what does it happen? What, 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 does, what does that do to the price? It increased the price of government debts because people are like, hold on, what's going on? Why are you selling, why are you selling these debts? What? These, these debts ain't, they ain't patterned, yeah? Okay, cool. This is bad, yeah? Okay, cool. Markets, they follow. When people start selling off a stock, more people start selling off a stock. What do they know that we don't know? Do you know what I mean? So that's what happened today. Yep. I hope that makes sense. If it doesn't, please just tweet me and explain further. So we've had the Bank of England having to interrupt at the tune of 65 billion pounds and IMF speaking up. Now, let's go through your questions. Adiz Jar Palmer asked, what is the reality of sterling dropping further against the dollar? Um, I think it, I, I'm not a forex trader, but I think it will kind of stay pretty similar-ish and it might continue to drop um, if Kwasi Kwarteng doesn't do anything to stabilise the economy. There were calls from the city, like big investment banks, even Bank of England and that for him to do something. And he was like, yo, like we'll address it in the November budget. But that's like six weeks away. Like my G, you don't have that time. Um, shout out um, TJ IMTS. Why is GBP and USD near parity seen as a negative thing? Um, because it's unprecedented and the strength of our currency is going down. Uh, Shogun Ash said what the fuck is going on man I think I <laughs> addressed that we're finished um, shout out my G Fizz Fizzy Pop uh, separately can you do a dummies guide for what the hell BOE and QE means okay BOE is the Bank of England and they are a decentral bank they're the bank's bank um, they are not under control by the government although this government wants to get them under control and they control monetary policy. So they basically try to, keep, they control the money supply and they try to keep inflation in check and they're currently struggling with doing so. QE is something called quantitative easing, right? And quantitative easing is effectively printing money where, <laughs> where the Bank of England, for example, or Bank of Japan, or the ECB, European Central Bank, or the Fed, Federal Reserve in America, they start buying our government debt, which is effectively a form of printing money, putting money into existence, trying to gain, make the make liquidity in the banking system so banks can then go out. Now banks got more cash, they can now go out and lend more, which is meant to stimulate the economy, right? That is quantitative easing. Basically printing money to sort economic issues. And it's not really effective in today's market. Um, shout out Shay. Shay the Kids asks, what the hell does this mean simply, which I think I've addressed. Uh, shout out Sean, SV Carboholic. Projection-wise, what do you reckon inflation will look like next, look like, look like summer next year? And any advice for those coming to an end of fixed-term periods on their mortgages? I'm not big on the mortgage stuff because I ain't got one yet, so I can't. I don't want to give advice for that. But boy, if you get if you can get a fixed mortgage, I'll do so. Um, in terms of inflation next year, I still think inflation next year will still be relatively high. When I say relatively high, I mean significantly above the two percent target. Um, shout out my boy Leroy AFC Lee. He asked a bunch of questions. One: What does mortgage repayment look like on average? Mortgage in 2020 versus the prediction of 2023. I went through that on the table. Basically, the mortgage repayments are going to be 
especially if interest rates rise, they're going to, first of all, mortgage repayments next year are going to be more than they were in 2020, simply because interest rates in 2020 were like 0.7% and they're going to be at least over 2% in 2023. They could be close to 6%. We don't know yet. Have these dumb cunts ruined low-tax PR? Yes, they have. They have destroyed low-tax PR. They have. And what's so mad is that a lot of Tories are saying, listen, we're fine with you cutting taxes. But just not now. <laughs> it's not the right time. So yeah, they've, they, they've, they have dusted this. Absolutely dusted this. It's, oh, it's very jarring. Uh, and although I want to enjoy the tax cuts, I'm not sure if the tax cuts will be there next year because my man, Kwasi Kwarteng, might not even be in charge next year. Effects of starting QE again on money supply and inflation. So um, kind of ties into last question. Quantitative easing is when effectively the printing of money and the buying up of assets to kind of simulate the economy. I find this, I, this is quite interesting because I was reading something on the on the FT and it was looking at America and it was basically saying that implying in America that quantitative easing didn't really boost inflation because theoretically quantitative easing should impact inflation because quantitative easing primary goal is to encourage spending in the economy. Therefore, an increase in consumer demand and supply of money should imply an increase in inflation. Right? So, Central banks, they're trying to keep inflation within certain limits. So they might use quantitative easing to increase inflation. So it should lead to inflation, long story short. However, let me see if I can dig up the articles here somewhere. Do you know what? I'm going to message you personally about this because this is way too technical. <laughs> but yeah, that's it for this week's pods. Um, long story short, we are flipping finished. For those who are fortunate enough that the cost of living crisis isn't really hitting them, you might, and you're earning a decent amount or you've got a business, you might be able to enjoy the tax breaks while they, if we do make it to April 2023. But as an economy... If, the, if this mob is still in charge and it's still going up to this type of stuff, we are finished. But from what I've seen, I think the pressure's on the mountain them. It's too much. I don't think he can survive to November um, with these with these policies. I, th I think he's going to have to reverse a couple bits and pieces. Um, but so far, they're standing strong. And it's interesting because quite a few high-profile Tory MPs are not going to be at the Conservative Party conference. Like, Rishi's not going to be there. Um, it's like, grah, I'll man them snubbing the thing. Even today, like... There's been no sign of of the Prime Minister or the Chancellor. Like, it's looking very spooky for them, but apparently um, he's holding strong. He said, no, I'm not reversing the thing. But yeah, so we'll see. But yeah, let me know if any questions. And until um, Monday, peace and blessings. Sports Social Podcast Network.